We all pot down here. I'm not going to leave you. Welcome to We All Pod Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. And this week we are going to be reviewing The Boy Behind the Door from 2020. So the synopsis of this, we have two best friends. They've been kidnapped. Can they help each other escape this house of horrors? It is a house of horrors. Yeah, it absolutely is. So our references for this are IMDB, Wikipedia per usual, and also CBR.com. Yep, and let's go into our cast and crew. This was written and directed by David Charbonnier and Justin Powell. They both uh, worked together on the film Gin. They're a filmmaking duo. And this was produced by a couple folks. Uh, Rick Rosenthal, who had directed Halloween 2 and Halloween Resurrection. Pretty cool. Jim Hart, Ryan Scarringe, John Herman, and Ryan Lewis. And onto our cast, we have Bobby played by Lonnie Chavis. He is known for This Is Us and The Waterman. We have Kevin, played by Ezra Dewey, who was in Criminal Minds and The Gin. We have Ms. Burton, played by Kristen Bauer von Stratton. She was in True Blood, and in an episode of Star Trek DS9, it was technically uncredited, but it is her, in the episode If Wishes Were Horses. And, of course, the best thing she ever did, Seinfeld, which she appeared as Jillian in the episode The Bizarro Jerry, a.k.a. Manhands. <laughs> Remember she was cracking the lobster with without the claw and or yeah. the little pincher thing? Yeah, without the, the claw crackers. <laughs> yeah. And she and then, opened the beer for Jerry. That's not a twist off. <laughs> I can do that with crabs, though. I pretty much break those apart with just my bare hands. But yeah, that's but that's like a Maryland thing. Yeah, but crabs wasn't, they're not that difficult. I mean, I was able to do it. Yeah. And we have the kind of oddly credited The Creep, who was played by Micah Hauptman. He was in, in Stereo, Everest, and Iron Man. And finally, we have Officer Stewart, played by Scott Michael Foster, who was in Greek, once Upon a Time as Kristoff, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Fun. So with that, I say we can get into our spoiler-free review. Do you want to kick it off? Sure. So for me, this was a very unique thriller that puts, obviously, kids in probably one of the scariest situations you could possibly imagine, both as a kid and as a parent, is kids getting kidnapped. Yeah. And they're in a position where no one's going to save them. They have to save themselves. No one's coming to their rescue. I mean, sure, they, they do. Make, they, they can make some errors. Who wouldn't in a situation like that? These are really young kids in an incredibly tense situation. They're literally fighting for their lives. And the way it plays out is just brilliant. Very thought-provoking. Acting is just top-notch. I mean, these kids make you really feel the dire circumstance they're going through. I also loved really how there wasn't a lot of dialogue required in this movie yeah there really wasn't a lot of it is you know atmospheric sounds in the background things like that and they, they really didn't require tons of dialogue and that was it's really hard to make a movie you feel something from a movie sometimes that doesn't have a lot of dialogue i think you know if you've seen pixar's wally almost no dialogue but you really feel that movie yeah for horror the, this kind of has like it a just similar has a effect. Dread. Yeah, it's it's existential dread all the time. You know, this is a really dark and 
guttural movie that I, I it's a trip I recommend everybody take. Yeah. What did you think? So for me, Bobby and Kevin, obviously they're best friends. They can't wait. They can't wait to grow up. They talk about moving to California. They promise to be best friends forever. And when they're kidnapped, they really, obviously, like you said, they need to work together to try to get out alive. And the whole movie feels just so tense. And even the music. One of the things I loved is if you listen really carefully, you can hear the sound of what sounds like a heartbeat underneath almost all of it. And especially the scenes like where you can hear that, uh, like Bobby's like sneaking around trying to get through this house quietly. And you can just hear that like dun 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 of like the heartbeat. And you know that like if you were in that situation, you'd be terrified and you'd probably be able to feel and hear your heartbeat. Oh, yeah, you would feel the pulsating in your ears. Yeah. So just the fact they had that in there just underneath, like you can almost barely hear it. You have to really listen for it, but it's like, but you can kind of feel it. It, it makes you feel that dread. One of the many subtleties that really drive this one home. Yeah. And the movie's just shot so brilliantly. Like it's just like beautiful to watch yet, like obviously horrifying. Um, like I said, Acting, absolutely top-notch. These kids are going places. Both of them were phenomenal. And it just, the whole thing gets you sucked in from the very first moment. I mean, the movie starts out basically on an 11, and it barely goes down the whole time. It starts out with right after the kidnapping, and then we jump back to see what happened beforehand, and then back to, you know, the kidnapping. But I also love that there's horror movies playing in the background. The Like, the people that have kidnapped them, they're watching some, like, really old classic horror movies. And it's really fun to listen and see if you can figure out which ones they're watching. Um, one of them we knew right off the bat. The other ones took a bit of digging for us to figure out, but it was kind of fun just kind of dig through and be like, nope, got to figure out what this is. Got to look at this line and this line. And I spent way too much time figuring out those movies. But <laughs> but you figured them out. And a lot of them, the context of what's going on in the scene is relatable, and, and the movie that they're playing is relatable to the scene. It's a- yeah, and we'll talk about that more in our spoiler review. But, but yeah, overall, loved it. Would happily watch it again, see if there's any little hidden things we missed. Definitely on my recommend list. And with that, do you want to get into our spoiler review? Yeah, I think so. Spoiler alert. So I just want to say that, you know, again, getting to the spoiler piece of it, I love that we start out like right after the kidnapping so that that way it's like just so tense. Like we are right there and it's already, like I said before, it's already tense. It's already on an 11. And then earlier, just suddenly back to the relaxing them hanging out. So it really jars you a little bit with that. But I was honestly kind of paranoid watching this that I thought that there was going to be a twist that Kevin had like tricked Bobby and that he was actually the one like helping out the bad guys. Boy, that would have been fucked. Yeah. And I, just, I was like, I don't want that to happen. I want these kids to just stay friends. For sure. And thankfully they do. But that was like my first paranoia when I watched this. I was like, oh gosh, they're going to have this big twist if it's going to be, you know, Kevin actually was in on it and everything. That would have ruined this movie. I, I, I agree it would have, but I was worried about that. Because I could see a movie that was not as well done doing something like that. Yeah. If it was a movie where they have no idea how to end it, yeah, then they would have probably gone down a quote-unquote twist that doesn't work kind of thing. Yeah, and um, there is kind of a twist to it, though, because... Kind of, yeah, with the, with the revelation that the primary villain is a woman. Yeah. Which... A lot of times you might not expect in a scenario like this. You usually expect some grubby-looking weird guy doing shit like this. But it shows that evil doesn't really have a stereotype. Yeah. You know, it can be anybody of any race, creed, religion, aesthetic appearance, whatever. Evil's evil, and it comes in many different wrappings. And I would say that... Most of them have Trump bumper stickers? 
This one, these ones certainly did. Just saying, they did. I would say Kristen Bauer von Stratton was amazing. Oh, yeah, she was wonderful. I, I just wish she would have, you know, when she was chained up, mm-hmm. that she would just broken the pipe in half with her, with her man hands. That, that would have been great. But, yeah, the fact that there was a, a drum sticker, and then when they, the kids started the cards playing all this awful, radical, ultra-conservative, right-wing bullshit talk radio stuff. It was very fitting. Yeah. Because, you know, you expect these people to be deviant pieces of shit, because most of them are deviant pieces of shit. Fuck you, I don't care. Yeah, and well, she even makes the comment at one point to Bobby that her friends don't like, you know, normally people like him. like That look want- like him, yeah. Yeah, so essentially saying that, like, oh, no, we only want to rape the white kids, I guess, or whatever they were planning to yeah. do. So... Uh, Why am I not surprised? Because I, these not. are they, they usually these are the ones who are preaching against gay rights and stuff like that, but they end up trying to solicit somebody in a bathroom, yep. like certain Minnesota senators. Yeah, <laughs> if uh, you remember that from way back when, it wasn't that far back. Is the sad part? There's so many incidents with these people being two-faced hypocrite pieces of garbage. Matt Gates. Yeah, fuck you, Matt Gates. Fuck you. Yeah. But yeah, this was, it was really intense. It's never let up, not once. No, the lightest part was just that, that flashback. And the very beginning, like you get like maybe two or three minutes of the kids talking about their friendship. And then one kid disappears, the other one gets clubbed over the head, and they are in a trunk. Yep. So it's, it moves really fast. I, like I said, I love that it had such a sense of dread the whole time. There weren't too many jump scares. I mean, there's like a handful of parts that were a little bit, and there's not there. There's a decent amount of blood, but I wouldn't call it gory, in the sense that like the one bad guy, the, the quote unquote the creep, we don't mm-hmm. really know what his name is when he sits up Michael Myers style like right into the knife, and you know obviously bleeds out there on the floor and dies. That's pretty bloody, but it's just blood. It's not like it's gory in the sense of like they're not getting ripped apart. No one's getting chopped up here. The only other real quote-unquote gory part I would go into would be uh, when Kevin is trying to pull that thing off, the like the the cover off the wall, mm-hmm. and it pulls his fingernail Breaks off. Breaks his fingernail off. Oh, yeah. my God, uh, that scene. Yeah, that's, I, was like, I was like, ah! It's like fingernails yeah, and fin- eyes. Yeah, fingernails and eyes are a, a thing that I don't like to see. Yeah. Messed up, because, no, thank you. But I, I'm not faulting the movie for yeah. that. Like It's like one of those things that I don't like to see, but I'm not saying it in the oh. sense of, like, what? The whole time the kid's pulling on that grate, I'm like, it's screwed in, dude. Don't do it. I know. And then he starts unscrewing. You're like, God damn it, kid. Why didn't you do this before? But again. There's a few instances where I was a little critical when we were watching it. It's kind of like, no, why would you do that? But again, you have to think perspective. These are like 12-year-old kids. Yeah, probably 11, 12 years old. In this horrifying situation. You're not going to be thinking clearly. Most adults wouldn't be thinking clearly, let alone a 12-year-old kid. And that's why, like, there were points where we were like, double tap. But at the same time, I really feel like that looking back, that part of what the movie was trying to do is have them keep their innocence. Like, mm-hmm. even when the creep sits up and, you know, Michael Myers style gets, just just, it, un- just undertakers himself into the knife. Yeah. Yeah. The kid apologizes. Yeah. He says sorry. Like, even when he initially cuts him, he says sorry. Like, yeah. he doesn't, you can tell, like, these kids, it kind of like helps them maintain their innocence in many ways. I'm glad they didn't violate that. Yeah. And so it's like at the time you're like, Oh God, double tap. But then it's kind of like they never turned the, these kids never had to turn into the monsters that were hunting them, which I love that they did that. Like looking back on it. Yeah. It ended up being a smart decision. Plus also, I like to think that no one knows exactly what they would do in that scenario unless they've been in that scenario. So if you've never been in that scenario, you don't know, would you kill these people? Would you just try to escape? Would you just try to like, you know, maim them enough to be able to get away without them getting after you 
so it's hard to say, you know. It's like you'd think you would kill them in the situation because of just how vile they are. But again, in the situation, you don't really know how you're just going to react. Yeah. But I was actually kind of surprised how quickly that first guy, the, the quote unquote, the creep guy dies. Yeah. Because like, when you look at like the commercials and stuff, it doesn't really, it's like the game of cat and mouse and blah, blah, blah. But, or I should say the Seinfeld reference, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> One of pretty much the only criticisms I think I had though, was actually along with the guy sitting up really quick and into the knife where there was all that blood and he goes to clean it up. No fucking way could he have cleaned that up that well that quick. With, like, two very small dish towels. Like, we've cleaned up plenty of spills with dish towels of that size. Probably going to be able to sop up about one-twentieth about the amount of blood that was all over that floor. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And cleaned it up to the point that the, the wife or whatever didn't notice. Yeah, that was a little much, plus the time he took to clean it up. Like, he's just, like, they show up scrubbing... And he's just spreading the blood all over the place. I know. And then all of a sudden, it's all gone. It's like some sort of magic trick. It's like, yeah, that's this was that was impressive. I mean, what was, what was this like a magic trick? Like Harry Blackstone? I saw Harry Blackstone do that on the Dean Martin show, like Kramer said. <laughs> of course, he had to get another Seinfeld reference in. Of course, I'll put I'll put that I, I'm marking that under willing suspension of disbelief to in, in, for the movie enjoyment purposes. But like that's pretty much my main criticism of this whole movie was just like that little tiny point that I was like, no way could he have cleaned that up that fast. But everything else felt pretty believable. I mean. But yeah, that part was a little, like, I'm usually willing to suspend disbelief to a certain point, but when you get to practicality, I have trouble doing that, and that was a little off. Yeah, but I'll let it, like I said, I'm going to let it slide, because the rest of the movie was so good. If that's my biggest criticism, which is probably one, is one of my biggest criticisms that's literally, of this movie. That's my pr- biggest criticism. That, and I'll get into in a second about one of the movies that they, was more for like an interview I read that I'm going to talk about in a minute, but... But yeah, if one of your biggest criticisms is that, then you're doing pretty damn then, good. Then yeah, you're you're doing all right, I think. I do like also that the director and writer they've been friends since they were kids, and they showed pictures of them like we saw online of mm-hmm. as adults and as kids, and they kind of almost look like the two yeah. actors. Yeah, they even say that in the interview. They wrote both. I believe they both in like big horror fans like all mm-hmm. their lives so they had a lot of little hidden horror things here and there as we mentioned earlier about the movies and I'm going to kind of get into those now when the movie first starts out or I guess when he first enters the actual house second it started playing I was like is that Night of the Living Dead? Yeah it's like I thought so too but I wasn't a hundred percent sure but it damn well sounded like it. Yeah so then we ended up like I think we ended up pausing the movie for me to find the scene within yeah. Night of the Living Dead because it, you know obviously it's public domain so I can just mm-hmm. Get on YouTube real quick and yeah, we just looked up some of the dialogue and it sounded like like the movie, but we again confirmed. Yeah, we confirmed. And then later, one of the movies you hear is part of from House on Haunted Hill. And the worst part about that one for me was I heard it and I thought that sounds like House on Haunted Hill. That sounded like Vincent Price, and so I tr- kept trying to find ways to link up like the transcript from what I was hearing. Well, the issue was that the subtitles were slightly wrong. So like the subtitles, some of the stuff they were saying was off just enough for it to throw me off. There's a part where he's, uh, the one guy is saying to what was originally Vincent Price's wife and that the one that they think is dead. And he's saying to her, it's almost over, darling. But in the subtitles, it says it's almost over Nelly. How and do you do I searched fucking darling. everywhere based on that. I was yeah. like, what horror movies had a character named Nelly? What was like, I went through 
utter hell to find that and figure it out. But the only thing we I really found was Nelly the rapper. <laughs> <laughs> That's what kept coming up for me too, and I was like, God damn it, no. I mean, not, there have not, to be not, a rapper named Nelly in this scenario. Nothing against Nelly. Everything against the fact that it wasn't helping me in my search. That was what pissed me off. Damn you, Google, and your algorithms. I know, right? Inconvenient. But the other thing, this is the part that throws me off a lot. Towards the end, when right before we figure out that Miss Burton is, you know, again, a woman, they, in an interview they were talking about this and they were saying that Bride of Frankenstein was playing stating that that was supposed to be like a hint that the villain was actually a woman. I could not find any evidence of this being Bride of Frankenstein. I know for a fact the movie playing right then is the brain that wouldn't die. And I'm also mad at IMDb because I told them that and they will not update the trivia because they said that they couldn't verify it. And I was like, fine, I'll resend this with fucking timestamps from both movies telling them that like at this timestamp in The Boy Behind the Door, it says this. And at this timestamp in The Brain That Wouldn't Die, it says this. Go listen to it and you will see. I put in all timestamps for the entire fucking thing and they're like, we couldn't verify. I'm like, well then go fuck yourself. Couldn't verify. Pull up the clips, dingbats, and <laughs> figure it out. I just, I, yeah, I, and the thing is, theirs even says, just says Frankenstein is playing, which I was like, no, because in the interview, they even said Bride of Frankenstein. So this is all sorts of wrong, and you won't update it. But I'm, you verified that? Yeah, they verified that, and I'm like... No, you didn't, because you, you have the wrong Frankenstein. Yeah, I was like, and I tried to edit that originally, and I was like, that was the thing I was trying to edit. I was like, this is not right. And like, there's no nothing out there on the internet that says this. I'm like, where the fuck did they get this from? So that's my, my... Faith in IMDb is his hit. Yeah, so I'm going to have words with them at some point. We'll figure it out. But, alas, I, I'm wondering, though, if there's maybe, like, a cut of it that we didn't see. Like, maybe if in, like, a director's cut or something. Uh, and the interview was based on the director's cut that had different... I don't know. Thing I, in the background. I'm not aware of another version of this. I was going to dig into it at some point to figure it out, because if there is a director's cut that's longer, I'd like to see what, you know, got cut out sure. and what deleted scenes there might be. But I don't think there is. Yeah, I'll dig into it at some point. But the point is that IMDb I, is wrong. Well, not just IMDb. The interview with the actual writers said that Bride of Frankenstein is playing, and I cannot, for the fucking life of me, find a single line from Bride of Frankenstein. Unless there, there, there's certain parts where you're hearing like music and stuff without little, maybe not as much dialogue, maybe just a brief clip. Maybe. I, I don't know. But if it's supposed to be this whole clue that it's going to be her, then why would it have... The brain like, that wouldn't die. Yeah, because it's definitely the brain that wouldn't die. Oh yeah, we verified it. We. I got the goddamn timestamps. <laughs> I have like, I literally have like we a We listen copy. to them back to back. We know. Yeah, I got, I got timestamps. I got a clip thing. I got like a transcript and that's how I figured it out. And there's like one of the more famous lines from the brain that wouldn't die that you hear is like right as the cops coming in, he says, you're nothing but a freak of life and a freak of death. Mm-hmm. But like the very first thing you hear when she's first walking down the stairs, it says there's a pattern to all that lives an order, an arrangement. She has a heart and a brain and her spirit was in both. And that part is like pretty much the first thing we hear. And again, that is 110% from the brain that wouldn't die. And I'm, it, it sounds like when you first listened to it, I thought also, I was like, that kind of sounds like it'd be from something out of Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein. And then I verified it was not. It's the brain that wouldn't die. And I'll get off my high horse about that now. But that's my little ramble for this moment, which again, doesn't take away from the movie because it was found in an interview. So if you didn't read yeah. the interview, you wouldn't know that. Yeah. Unless, interesting nonetheless. Yes. So other interesting thing is there's a scene and that this is one of the scenes I absolutely fucking love the way it was shot where she's trying to get through the door and she has the axe and she, when she hits the door with it, the camera swings back like with the axe following the axe. Yeah, that was cool. I fucking love that. 
Yeah, and there's a good line there from Child's Play 2. Mm-hmm. Now open the goddamn door. And I keep hearing it in Chucky's voice. Yeah. But yet it's a woman saying it. Mm-hmm. And also, of course, if if it's not obvious enough, the hitting the door was obviously The Shining. Of course. If there's ever an axe blasting through a door at this point, it's an homage to The Shining. But yeah, the, and apparently that, that scene there wasn't intended to be an homage to The Shining. Yeah, but it just kind of was. Yeah, well, they, they, initially it wasn't, but yeah, then when it they turned wrote, into one. When yeah, they, when they kind of wrote it out, but then as they started filming it, they were like, oh, this yeah, is this, just like The Shining. Yeah, and yeah, this is definitely, definitely a tribute. Another really cool fact is that Ezra Dewey, who, of course, was one of the main characters here, plays Kevin in this movie, is also in uh, Charbonnier and Powell's film, Jin. Now, funny fact is that Jin was actually shot first, but they got Ezra from the casting process for this movie, The Boy Behind the Door. It's just the shooting schedules got all messed up because COVID and stuff like that. It's funny that they casted him through this movie, but they put him in their other movie as a result of that casting process. So mm-hmm. it was really cool that they ended up working with him twice. Yeah. I, we need to see that. I've heard kind of mixed things about it. Same. But I'd really like to see it. Now, if you want a movie that I feel like is very, very like true to the, to the Jin legend, there's a movie called Under the Shadow that we watched. Loved that movie. It's actually... I believe, I forget if it was filmed in Iran, but it's supposed to be based in Iran. And there's a building, I guess, that the that they're in, like the actual like apartment they're in gets hit by a missile that doesn't explode. Like it's just sitting there and is the creepiest fucking thing seeing that. Yeah. And basically one of the neighbors kind of alludes to the fact that they think the missile's cursed and it's carrying like, that, the re- that it didn't explode because it was actually carrying like the jinn within it. So. It was cursed? So Dan Housen cursed it? Yeah, Dan Housen's now a gin. <laughs> you never know. You never know. We love you, Dan Housen. We're Thank so you. glad. Thank We're you, so glad Tony Elite. Yes, Tony Elite. <laughs> Tony Elite has finally made Dan Housen all elite. Thank you. Thank you, A&W. Indeed. We'll drink your root beer. Absolutely. So kind of wrapping up some of my thoughts on it, though, come back to the movie from Dan Housen as much as I'd love to spend the entire <laughs> podcast talking about Dan Housen, because we probably could. I would love to have a podcast, Housen. Podcast, Housen, good Lord. Podhausen. Podhausen, absolutely. That's what we should call it. We all Podhausen down here. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good ring to it. Well, I did read an interview that he like he really likes the the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and of yeah. course, our if anyone if, if no one's ever noticed our logo, the lamp post on it is supposed to be like a callback to cabinet of Dr. For Caligari. Sure. If you didn't know that, well, now you do. One of the greatest horror movies of all time. Yeah, hands down, no questions asked. It's. If it's not, I could I see someone arguing it's not the greatest, but I could see an argument for it being the greatest. And one of the one of the earliest ones. Yeah, it's it's definitely. There's a couple arguments for what would be the first, but it's always within the arguments of yeah. possible first. So, it's genre defining, it absolutely is, yeah, and no. it has such a great story. Yeah, and how many movies that early on had like a crazy twist to them? Yeah, at least at that time, not like that. Yeah. Anyway, back to the actual movie we're reviewing before I can get on my soapbox about why I love Cabinet Dr. Caligari. So at the end of this movie, it seems like these kids are now like on the beach in California, which after this ordeal, I'm sure their parents just were like, we're going to take you to California and yeah. let you chill on a beach for a we're while. We're going to let you have whatever the hell you want at this point. Yeah, but I kind of feel like, and I don't know if this is going to make sense, this is where I kept trying to like find a good way to word this when I was typing up our notes about this. 
is I felt like the this whole event kind of forced them to grow up really quickly. But also, and I could see it as like, you know, because they had to be forced to grow up really quickly. And then when they said when they grow up, they wanted to go to California, that it was kind of like symbolizing them growing up in some yeah, ways. Yeah, like some sort of coming of age thing. That they, when they grow up, they want to go live in California as friends together and everything. Yeah. But they I will just say, go there. Yeah. No, and that's the thing is I, I think it's like them just visiting there, but it felt I like. this made them grow up about 10 years in about a day. Yeah. That's what I was like. You know, it's like this. Then I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe that wasn't what it was intended. It was just intended to be, yay, they got to go to California. Yeah. But the early on, one thing I will say that a less like criticism I have also is the scene where they both like prick their fingers and put like the blood together and feel the whole blood brother thing. Don't do that. That is a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. There is so many reasons not to do that. Yeah. So just throwing that out there that don't do that. Bad idea. Another really cool little production fact about this is the the beginning of the movie, they show like the oil rig and like the oil field and everything. The house that they shot this at was actually a house in Culver City, California that was near oil fields. And this property has been used on a lot of other film, TV productions and stuff like that. But they, they went through a lot of painstaking work to make that house look different. Like they had to put like wallpaper up and they had to put it up every day and it kept falling down and stuff like that. And they went through a lot of trouble and they really did such a wonderful job, like you mentioned earlier, about the way they shot this movie. Which, you know, you could take a similar premise that would be not shot as well as this and fall on its face. So I think the cinematography was so important. And the location they picked out definitely helped that. So you're saying we were lied to. They were in California the whole time? Apparently. Well, fuck. I thought they were in the Midwest. (laughs) Stupid kids thought they were not in California, and they were. Anyway, with that, do you want to move on to our ratings? Yeah, I think so. Overall, what you going to give it? I am going to give this a four out of five. I'm not giving it a five because it's not perfect. And again, five is a lofty standard, but it's a very high four. This was a brilliant movie. Absolutely brilliant. I've never seen a horror movie about this subject. I'm sure they exist. And if there's any good ones, we'd love to know about them. But from the perspective of kids getting kidnapped by disgusting child human traffickers and them being able to be in this horrifying situation and being able to battle their way out of it and the way that it's the dread and the horrifying scenario and all the, the cards are stacked against them and they're able to get through it, but not easily. And it was just a great story. It was brilliantly put together, shot as good as you could possibly imagine. I can't think of a lot of movies that were shot better than this. And it's a real test. It's a real testament to the two gentlemen who made this movie that they, they, these guys got talent, so much talent, Charbonnier and Powell. They, they just, just knock this out of the park. Yeah. I'm excited to see what else they do. Yeah. Cause I have a feeling these two have quite a career ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And these are young filmmakers, and it's great to see young filmmakers being able to pull some off something like this. Yeah. And they, they just did an amazing job. Acting was great. All of the actors and actresses, they were fun. fucking phenomenal. You, I mean, it's, it can't be easy to take kids and put them in a role like this and no. expect them to perform. And, you know, they even said these kids were such professionals that, like, you know, between takes and stuff, they're running around playing with each other, acting like kids. But when they're shooting, damn, they turned it on. And this was a real testament to 
to those performers. And great movie, watch it. Yeah. If, if I was doing halves, I'd do four and a half, but I'm going to do the four as well for Agreed. it. Agreed. I would do four and a half if we could. Yeah. So for like some of the reviews I do online, like some of them allow you to do four and a half star, or do like the half stars. So for the ones that let me do the half stars is a four and a half for the ones that don't know, but I don't know four. But like you we said, don't do decimals here. <laughs> but like you said, it's, I can't really say much else other than just, you know, what you already said that, you know, it was great. Really my only like negatives are again, him cleaning up the, the mess too quickly, which again, that's a yeah. very minor negative. But if I'm really nitpicking here, that one, I have mixed feelings about the ending with Miss Burton being shot and killed. Cause there's a part of me that kind of wanted her to be alive, like maybe like maimed but alive enough to basically be caught, have her name, feel like her name was drugged through the mud and that she would know it and that she'd have to give up names of the other people that were involved in this. Yeah, because unfortunately these people are probably just going to move on to someone else. But then there's also a part of me that sees it as, I'm like, yay, good, she's dead. But also, shit, she could have given up names. Yeah, I think in the scenario, because she was just about to kill those kids. Oh, yeah. And the cop did obviously the right thing because... She's obviously, she's just, he's about to murder these children. He's going to stop them at all costs. And the best way to stop them at all costs is to get a kill shot if you can. Mm -hmm. And they did. But yeah, it would have been nice for that to have happened. But again, like I said, it's a mixed kind of thing I have on it. It's not negative. It's not positive. I just kind of kept going back and forth mm -hmm. in my head about it. And if in reality, you, that's would be the optimal scenario that that person lives and is, you know, given given up names and all these other pieces of garbage are apprehended and taken to justice and everything. Mm -hmm. Not just her, and then all the other ones just kind of slip into the ether. Well, yeah, because especially you saw they doing were doing all the do. stuff with just cash, so it's exactly. not like there probably is not much of a paper trail. No, there's yeah, it's not like there's a, any evidence to other people or anything. But yeah, that would have been optimal. But I'm not going to hold it against it either. Oh no, I'm not holding it against it. I'm just more commentating. Yeah, on it. I th I think it was. It was still very well thought out in a very realistic scenario. Oh, for sure. But yeah, if true justice, that, that is what I would want to see too. Yeah. So for scares, I'm going to give it a three because I teeter between a three and a four because it's not scary in the sense like me watching this, I didn't feel scared as much as like sense of dread. It felt tense. I felt like my heart was beating along with it. So it definitely does that, but at the same time, Again, we don't have kids, so... But I worry about, like, the pets being stolen and stuff, so I guess in that same sense. And I worry for my friends' kids and, like, my nieces and nephews and stuff, so... Mm -hmm. But still, it's just, I, I don't know, like, it's one of those things that I can go to sleep at night and not be like, oh, God, it's coming for me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think I'll give it a four for a scare factor. Just the scenario is one of the most horrifying and disgusting things that happens in our society with, you know, human trafficking and especially like child trafficking. My God, how, what kind of a horrifying wretch of a subhuman can you be to possibly do something like this? Matt Gates. Yeah. Gross. Allegedly. These, these kinds of people are the lowest of the low, like children, in essence, for the most part, you know, like the children are innocent. What kind of sick, depraved thing could possibly do something like this? And there's some fucked up stuff. Like, they, I mean, these kids are like chained up, and there's this like film set with a 
bedroom and all this stuff. So it makes it look like they're doing child pornography too. They probably are because they're pieces of shit. And like this is like lowest of the low fucked. So I think the reality of the situation is utterly horrifying. And the fact that this happens more than most people think. And they show that this is just, you know, kind of a backwater area. House is very unassuming. Cop shows up. She's very polite. All this stuff. You might not initially think these are the kind of people doing these kinds of things. But those are exactly the kind of people who are doing these kinds of things. They're they're manipulative. To be fair, that cop was not just buying her story immediately, though. No, he he wasn't. But, again... She put up a hell of a front. Kudos oh, to did. the cop to figuring out something wasn't right. But this kinds of thing happens everywhere. You can't be too careful. And I think that's what made this really, really frightening to me, is how grounded in reality this is, and how it's a reminder of how fucked up our world can be, and it's really, really sad and demoralizing. Yeah. So just that idea made this a very scary book, even though we don't have kids or anything. I fear for any human being put in this kind of situation because it should never happen, and it's very scary. For sure. So, moving on to music slash music sound design. Sound? I'll give it a four. That's what I was going to do as well. I, I'd say the music is great, and the inclusion of the film clips are fantastic. I yeah, think it, put, it puts you in that like classic horror mind frame. Mm-hmm. Again, not a lot of dialogue wasn't needed. The sound of surrounding sound effects added to the tension and i think the sound was wonderful and the sound design for like again i can't get over the heartbeat thing where it's yeah, just, just cool. on just low enough that it makes you feel it yeah and then again everything sounded very realistic like the time when bobby cuts the quote-unquote the creep then mm-hmm. you, like that sounds realistic the unfortunately the nail peeling off sounded realistic i know i'm sorry give me a chill even thinking about I it i hate that part I mean, when i say i hate that part it's not a negative to no, the movie. No, no, it's like, it's just I like, hate looking at that shit. Exactly, it's like, oh god, I hate this. But yeah, for me, that's a four. What about for effects? I'll let you go first on that one. Yeah, I was, I was thinking a three, because there's not a lot of effects, but it's all, like, anything that's there is practical. Everything felt very realistic. You know, even the horrible scene I'm not going to talk about felt realistic with the nail. And the, I don't I keep bringing it up, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I keep waking myself out it. With was it was well done. Yeah, it was well done. Again, everything looked and felt real. I got no beef with any of it, but also there just there wasn't a need for like massive effects or anything like that. So I think I'll also probably do a three, though I was really close to doing a four on this because I consider the camera work an effect, mm-hmm. and the camera work was like a five. Yeah, I, I I would say though that like yeah, there there wasn't a lot of effects. There were some for sure. It's not really an effect-driven movie. It's a mood-driven movie. Yeah. But the camera work was phenomenal. The camera work's a five. But like overall, for effects combined with all those factors, yeah, I think a three is real, very fair. Yeah. What do we think for gore? Either a two or three is what I've been thinking, because there is blood. I mean, she gets shot. I'm thinking the three because partly because of the nail scene. Yeah. If you're squeamish, that's going to throw you a little bit. But I wouldn't let There's it be something... little moments here and there, but... It, don't I, let that dissuade you. Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't let it dissuade you. Just when you see it's a five that, second shot, and you know it's coming. Yeah, when it <laughs> you know? comes, just avert your eyes and that's what we did. Cover your ears for a few minutes or for like a minute, and you'll be fine. Even 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 like five to ten seconds. Yeah. That's really as long as it gets. Yeah, I'll go with a two on gore. It's not gory. There's blood. 
but in movies like this, you when you're dealing with this genre, you should really expect some. Nothing overt other than the fingernail. There's little moments here and there, but yeah, I'd say a two for gore. And I think that just about wraps it up. Um, any additional thoughts you'd like to throw in there? They're coming to get you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. So I think with that, we did it. Yeah. So I guess that's yeah, anything else you want to say before I close it out? I'd say that, again, give this movie a shot. It's unsettling the subject matter. I almost feel like this is a movie that almost everybody should see because this is the kind of movie that actually I think could bring some awareness to this kind of problem. And it's a horrible problem. And if more people see this, it's a very realistic feeling. And I think it gives a lot of perspective that a lot of people in the world lack. I will say, though, that just think when you said that, all I could think of was the idiots who made the movie Chaos at the beginning point. I know, you can't see it, but Dan's rolling his eyes. At the beginning of that, there's some little clip that pops up that says something to the effect of like that they do this to show like how serious this issue is and hopefully to educate people and parents to like prevent this kind of stuff from happening. I'm like, or maybe don't blame the victims. Yeah, how about that? Maybe you could just have, you know, like like in this movie where bad things happen to the people who were involved in it and the kids get out okay. Maybe it's a letter to, you know, yeah. not be... Don't, ra- don't, don't be rapists. Shame. Don't be sex traffickers. Don't do bad things. Yeah. How about we focus on that instead of blaming the victims? Yeah. I think we need to focus on eliminating these kinds of horrifying things from society because they shouldn't be there. Yeah. But on that note. And on a serious tone. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great flick. Yeah. Check it out. 100%. So thanks for listening to our pretend professional reviewing madness. And until next time, this has been We All Pod Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something that makes me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid.